myself, Jesse Felix. We got Pastor Drew. How you doing today, Pastor Drew? I'm doing wonderful. It's good to be on Showbread because it's fresh. That's right, because it's fresh. Pastor Drew, can you tell us a little bit why it's called Showbread? I don't think people have been asking me that. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people has been asking me, Jesse, why is it Showbread? So interesting, so unique, such a great, great, great name. But I just want to know more of why it's called that. Well, that's a great question. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, then in the temple, the priest would have to make this showbread, this okay. bread, this substance. And it was a picture of God. In the New Testament, Jesus goes on to say, he tells us very clearly that he is the bread of life. And so showbread is a picture of that. And it's something that's represented. It's something that's before God. And it was always made fresh. Nice. Nice. I, thank you, Pastor Drew. So how's your day going today? You know, today was really special. I've been looking forward to seeing you. A lot of good things. You know, there's some difficulties in my family. My wife had that surgery, still overcoming. Uh, so that's been difficult. This morning, I usually get to go with the Orange Army of Riverside Christian Assembly to evangelism. We march the streets, Orange tell Army. people about Jesus. Oh, I love it. We set records last time. More than 20. It. it was incredible. I love it. Today, I got to go with my son, Jehu, and he had a basketball tryout. Nice. So he has been so looking forward to it. So it was a lot of fun watching him, and he was so nervous. And then studying, preparing for the weekend. It was a really enjoyable day. And we got service tonight, so I'm excited to preach the word. How about yourself? You have a good day? I had a fantastic day, Pastor. Thank you for asking me. I had a really good day today. Um, real quick, on top of the head, I went to Living Spaces. This is not an ad for Living Spaces. It's now open in Paris, that Living Spaces outlet. It's off of, I don't know, I think Harville Exit, if you want to go check it out. Um, they hooked me up with a nice uh, dining room table. I got to get a new de- dining room table for Thanksgiving. Yeah, good move, man. I- I'm yeah. proud you got the new house. I appreciate that, yeah. So, uh are you really excited for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Now I'm really excited. We're having over uh, a couple of folks, man. My, my, my folks are coming. Nice. Some of my siblings, my kids are excited. I think we got a bouncer. Awesome. Got a new basketball hoop for my son. Nice. So Thanksgiving's a great time. Getting together, yeah. laying low. It's cool. going to be good. Well, you know what? Let's get right to it, okay? We got to get right to the meat of showbread. Pastor Drew, I know you've been studying and you've been prepared for this, guys. I think you, this is a very special segment that we have been working very tireless on. Um... It's, I don't want to, I, I just, I'll get into it now. Pastor Drew, can you give me some interesting deaths in the Bible? I know it sounds morbid, but I think the, the, the listeners need to hear, like, there's life and there's also death. Can you give me some interesting yeah. deaths in the Bible? Well, you know, there's a quite a few different occasions and lessons we can learn. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, it said, the day you eat of that fruit, dying, you shall die. Mm. That man came from the dust, to the dust he must go, from the Spirit of God to the Spirit he must go. And so I was trying to think of some of the most unique deaths and the circumstances around them. One of them I thought of was Korah. You remember that rebellion in the wilderness? Korah said, you know, Moses, you're not the only one that God speaks to. It was rebellion. Rebellion was spiritual guys. And so Aaron's rod budded. Korah's didn't. And it says the ground shook and literally devoured Korah, his family, and all the other rebellious leaders. Rebellion is paid back very harshly, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. Yes, it is. So I don't think there's too many people that would say they got swallowed up by the ground. Speaking of rebellion, mm-hmm. I thought of Absalom, David's son, who was a usurper who took the throne from David. Mm-hmm. And then there was that civil war. And it says of Absalom that he was handsome. Mm-hmm. And he had these long locks that he was really proud of. He didn't have any children of his own. Mm-hmm. And so he built this monument so people would remember him. Mm-hmm. And so in this conflict, in this battle, Joab... Is chasing down Absalom. They're going back and forth. And his hair gets stuck in a tree. Wow. And his animal he was riding on goes goes on by. And there he is dangling. 
And David, even though Absalom betrayed him, took the throne, embarrassed him, was treacherous, mm -hmm. David still loved him. And he instructed Joab, go easy on him. But Joab, the general, he was a hard man. Mm -hmm. And he took javelin after javelin. When we're talking javelin, what are we talking about? We're talking like a long stick with a spearhead. <laughs> and he thrusts him through over and over as Absalom was dangling. And then he took the body, threw it in a pit, and he piled rocks on top of it. Jeez, I wouldn't imagine something like that. Well, I think it's a little bit ironic because there's two stone monuments. Mm -hmm. One to his greatness that he himself made. Mm -hmm. And then another in his vanity, a pile of rocks that he'd be remembered by. Mm. And so, you know, treachery, rebellion in the scripture has some unusual deaths. Where is that in the Bible? Like, can you give us some scripture? Where is that in the Bible? Well, it'd be in the book of Second Samuel. Second Samuel. Yeah, in First Samuel, you see the rise of King David. And then towards the end of Second Samuel, you see that story of Absalom. And then you get to First Kings and you see kind of the end of David. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great story with Absalom going back and forth and... Absalom had to murder his half-brother. And there's another interesting story. To avenge his sister. A lot of hardship around David. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think that was one of the more interesting ones. Mm. That's Yeah, that's that's an interesting death, Pastor Drew. When you say javelins, when you, when someone throws a javelin, that means that they're, they're it's, a, it's a long stick. And they're throwing it and thrusting it into someone's body. Breaking bones and hitting vital organs. Yeah. That's a tough way to go. Well, one of the other <laughs> battles. sucky way to go. <laughs> yes, I could think of was King Saul. Yeah. And he was warned about it. Mm -hmm. And up on Mount Gilboa, he was shot with arrows. And then he jumped on his own sword. He was afraid that the Philistines would, would abuse his body. That's another tough one. I'm telling you, the Bible is a violent book. And it's got, you know, life and death is right there. Why do you think the Bible is so, like, I've heard a lot of different things about, Oh, you know, the Bible, it's got a lot, you know, there's a lot of deaths. Lot of God killed many, many of people. Can you talk about a little bit? Did God kill all those people? Well, the wages of sin is death. So people are going to die. People, there's an end to this life. And the origin of death, in some ways, is a release. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God, they were kicked out of the garden. It would be too harsh a penalty to be separate from God, to have guilt and shame, to go on living in that existence. So God said, there's going to be an end of this. And then even after the flood, God said, hey, my, I can't keep striving with people forever. I'm going to limit their days to 120. So I think death in one sense is a release. It's a, it's a way out of these shells, these earthen vessels, the Bible calls them. Did, does God take that? Well, it's a penalty. Does a judge sentence somebody? He sentences. He carries out the sentence. But it's the criminal's choices that put the judge in that position. Hmm. So... Death, yeah, it's, it's a very real thing. The wages of our sin, what we've done, have merited, have earned us. If you sow an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. Mm -hmm. If you sow bad seeds, doing bad things, you're going to reap a very bad harvest. Mm -hmm. And in a cause and effect universe, death has been implemented mm -hmm. to allow an end to this existence. Mm -hmm. And so the spirit, it too has to be judged. It goes to God. So did wow. God kill all those people? Well, a lot of people killed people. You can't take that out of the scripture. Nope. All of creation is groaning out. You can't take that out. You know, there's natural disasters. There's bad things that mm -hmm. happen. Um, and there are occasions. Here's an interesting death. Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, they lied to the apostles. And it says they lied to the Holy Spirit. And so they were struck down dead. Mm. Another one like that is Herod. Herod allowed the people to praise him, worship him like he was a god. And then... He was smitten down dead. 
in the Exodus, we see the angel of the Lord, the angel of death passes through and takes the life of all the firstborn. So yeah, there are occasions when the Lord does get involved in taking life from people. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think it's more the natural course, the natural laws that God has put in order due to mankind's sin. Does that make sense? That makes no? sense, yeah. I think there's a lot to unpackage there. If you, were an, if you were an unbeliever, it would be appalling to you, like, well, the God that we believe has murdered murdered based on our own, you know, what we think is righteous and not right, what's right and what's wrong. I think a lot of what we think isn't what God thinks. So what, yeah. what we think is fair and just is not what God thinks is fair and just. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's fair and just in God's eyes and the difference between what we think that's fair and just and what God thinks is fair and just. Yeah, I think you make such a good point. To a lot of people, it would be very confusing and they would say, hey, that's not fair. Most people's system of justice is very contextual. Mm -hmm. In other words, they'll give uh, people in this part of the world and people in that part of the world, they'll give them the right to come up with their own system of what's right, what's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's more culturally based. And most people in America that I've come across, as long as you're not going out of your way to hurt somebody else, Mm -hmm. Live and let live. What's yeah. wrong with it? Mm -hmm. And so they take God out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And you're right. When you take God out of the equation, it doesn't make sense. I think a lot of people that don't believe in God think that people are generally good. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the basis. Like, well, how could God do that to innocent people? If you read the scripture, you'll say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know who you think is innocent. Mm -hmm. God is a great creator, and he's been rejected for it. Mm -hmm. Imagine making a great sculpture, a work of art. And then nobody gives you the credit. Yeah. Or they say it did it itself. That would be an insult to you. Mm -hmm. So people don't realize when you kill, you've disgraced the image of God. Mm -hmm. When you commit adultery in your heart, you didn't violate anybody else, but you violated God's laws, lying. Then you look at those Ten Commandments, covet, thou shalt not covet. Mm -hmm. Why can't I think of what I wish I had in my own heart? So yeah, if God is the law giver and breaking his law makes you guilty... Then when people die, or in the book of Canaan, when there's these wars and God helps fight, he, he throws these hailstones, he helps David kill Goliath. Yeah. How is that okay? Yeah. Well, I would say they had broken God's law, he had given them warning, he had been patient with them, mm -hmm. and then justice came. Justice in whose eyes? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily mankind's eyes, but justice in God's eyes. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So you would say that our thinking on earth is very skewed to God's thinking. In, in yeah, heaven. I think a lot of people's are. I do think that there's a law that God has given in our hearts. The, the, the concept of words, for example. Words have definitions. Mm -hmm. You and I, every human is wired that way. Yeah. You know, if, if I said book bag, you and I agree what a book bag means. Yeah. That's truthful. If I said sofa or chair... We would agree that that has a definite meaning. That's based in reality. Mm -hmm. And so in order for human beings to have a society to get along, we have to be truthful in our words. Mm -hmm. If there was no, if it wasn't wrong to lie, then that would, then nothing could make sense. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? In other yeah. words, within the human beings, we all have to have an agreement that there is truth or we could have no conversations. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is there's a standard that's, innate within us mm -hmm. eternity is written on their hearts the bible says and so it works if you work with god's scriptures is it practical to not commit adultery to not commit idolatry is it practical to not lie to not murder 
Yeah, it's very practical. Does the Bible work? Yes, it works. And so I would say there's a lawgiver that's given us a conscience, that's given us moral law, that's given us reality within us, that, that's agreeable to the truth of things. Mm -hmm. So I think all of that points to something higher than just what people could come up with. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I do think you're right. Most people just look at, well, if I'm not hurting anybody, mm -hmm. then how dare a God judge me? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, you know, the first lie that Eve was to believe was you could be like God. Mm. And when we take God yeah. out of it and we become the lawgiver, we're making ourselves like God. It's the same lie. Why? Why would? It, what's the? You know, I guess just break it down, unpackage it even more. What's the benefits of, of knowing and believing in God? Say I was an unbeliever and said, Hey, you know what? I come to this church. I came here. I'm listening to you, Pastor Jude. That sounds all great. What are right. some benefits? Why would that benefit me, to stop what I believe? Like to stop the notion of, Hey, if you're not doing anything bad, live, live and let live. What? What? Why would? Why would I? What are the benefits of becoming a Christian? What are the benefits of like knowing God? Why would I? Why would I want to stop thirty one of my thirty one thirty years of my life? Stop that and live a different way. Why would yeah. I want to do that? It's a huge ask, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a really good question. Jesus promises eternal life. Now we're talking about death right now. We're talking about some of the interesting ways that bodies expire. That that these flesh and bones and organs. Like you were talking about, he pierced through vital organs and he lost blood and he couldn't breathe and then he died. But where did he go? Mm -hmm. If I lost my arm, I would still be me. If I lost both arms, I would still be me. Mm -hmm. There's something that's in us, I would say, a spirit. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus promises eternal life, it's eternal life of that spirit. And so to become a Christian is to have the spirit of God. And I think this is a fulfillment, a satisfaction, a completion of what many people are looking for. Mm. Maybe our listener might have a wandering, a searching, a yearning, a desire for more. They've tried different things, different pursuits of ambition, different relationships, and still, they're still looking. If you would give your life to Christ, if you would come to believe in God, I believe that looking can come to its destination. We promise joy and peace. Like I mentioned before, my life has plenty of obstacles in it right now, and yet I have the joy of the Lord. There's always tumultuous times. We deal with lots of difficult people, and yet I still have my peace. I would also say the Christian has forgiveness to offer. Mm. We know how okay. to forgive people. We can let things go. For many, without Christ, this is near impossible. We have purpose. We have passion. We have a community of like-minded people. So I think there's an awful lot that Christianity offers in a practical sense, in an emotional sense. You know, some people, they drive themselves sick with bitterness and resentment unforgiveness and anger and malice they don't know how to deal with it absolutely we christians believe that god died on a cross paid for my sins Whew. yeah that's a relief yeah and so now i can forgive others i've been given a great gift now i can pass that gift on to others yeah so i think christianity offers a lot and i think it works in a practical sense i think christian families have a code of ethics and morals to teach their kids a code of conduct and they have a community they're a part of, but I can only verify in my own heart and my own experience the joy and love that I have experienced, and I think they could too. Nice. How about yourself? Does that sound similar? Yeah, I think for my Christian life, I think um, you know, talking and speaking to other people that might want to come to Christ or interested in changing their life, I think the biggest thing that happened to me is that life's incredibly hard. Like it's it's incredibly hard. Like mental illness and stress and anxiety 
And I can't imagine being an unbeliever and not knowing Christ and having this much stress and anxiety. Just like everyone else, I have stress. I'm stressed out. Work, anxiety. I got kids. My future. My hope. What's it gonna look like? You know. And that. That. Of course, I have those stresses. But it alleviates knowing that God has has me in His hands and knowing that I have a plan and purpose. It's the what's more scary. What's frightening to a lot of people, including myself, before I came to the knowledge of the truth, was the unknown. What am I? What's gonna happen? What What's the unknown like for me? What is going to happen to my life? What is going to, you know, even even thinking like, what's going to happen when I actually physically die? What is going to happen to my body? Like, right. what is what is going to, where's my body going to go? Like, are people going to mess around? Like, what, what's going to happen? You know, like, you know, and so, you know, I thought about those things. But now as an adult and, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time now. I gave my life when I was 15 years old in, in youth group. and And I think about my life and others' lives and how we handle stress and, I think there's a huge problem, Pastor Drew, in, in especially early 20s, uh, you know, teenage, early 20s, of how to handle stress and how to handle anxiety. Yeah. You know, we turned to a lot of different things, and I think the one thing that I turned to all the time was Jesus. And I know it sounds cliche, and I'm sure yeah. every, all the listeners have heard that before, and some, but it's true. It's absolutely true. In my life, I, you know, I, there's times where... You know, hey, I don't have any money for the rent. I don't have any food. I don't. I, I lived in an apartment where we had the lights and the electricity shut off. That's pretty stressful. Right. Having to go to work and trying to get ready in the morning in the dark. There's no hot water. I've, I've been through that, and it's tough. But I couldn't imagine what an unbeliever would do. You know, I, I wouldn't under, I wouldn't imagine what an unbeliever would, 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 would put their hope in or how they would put their trust in or how they would pick themselves up. How they would say, you know what, you know what, it's going to be better. How can you always look... At the glass half full, if you don't have any, if you don't know the unknown, you know, right. like I think of people that might be homeless or misfortune, they don't have their displays, they don't have a home. How can they, without the love of God and the plan that God has for them, how can they wake up each day and be motivated to, I'm going to get out of it? You right. know what I mean? Like, and so I don't know. I think, I think knowing Jesus and having a plan and his, and, and knowing his plan for us is very important for those mental issues and to be able to, to get through life. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so true. It can be tough, and it's good that we know the Lord because He promises us not just payment in this life, but in, in the life to come. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have that hope, and that makes us generous, that makes us kind, that makes us want to be better than what we our hands could take. Mm-hmm. One of the other deaths on, on my list was a guy named Asahel, and he was in a battle. And he was running really fast. He was fast as a gazelle, maybe oh, the yeah. fastest of them. This is awesome, yeah. And Joab was his brother. And Joab was known to be the toughest, the roughest soldier. And he was in pursuit of the enemy general, Abner. And Abner said, hey, look, I don't want to fight you, Asal. I don't want to deal with your brother. And so as Asal kept running full speed, Abner just took the blunt end of his spear out just to kind of bump him, to warn him. And Asal ran himself through. He overran the goal. And I think of a lot of young people, they're overrunning the goal. They're working two jobs. It's hard out here in Southern California. People are killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And for what? Yeah. You know, I, I would encourage everybody, godliness with contentment is a great game. Amen. The Christian Absolutely. learns that the greatest things in life come from God, come from family. We don't keep up with the Joneses. Fancy mm-hmm. clothes, fancy cars, big things. that They don't impress me. Mm-hmm. What impresses me is good relationships with my kids, the love of my wife. Those are the best things in life. Absolutely. I don't want to be like Asahel. And, and for vain ambition, I run after it so hard. For what? Yeah. To come to the end of it? 
You know, Pastor, that's a really good point. It brings me to my next thought I had for you is, is what is the American dream? I know growing up in public school, I went to public school and having this thing, you know, I've, I've talked to younger guys and, and I've done youth groups and I've talked to people about the American dream. What's the American dream to you, Pastor? What, what is the American dream that society wants to paint, the secular world wants to paint for us? What do you think that is, the American dream? Well, you know, I'm a little out of that realm. I'm not sure I, could, I fully understand. I would imagine it's fame, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube fame, Instagram fame, famous without always being talented, you know. Yeah. Uh, celebrity friends, big house, you know, just beauty everywhere, mm-hmm. lots of money. To me, I like a different view of the American dream. We have such liberty. Yeah. I love that the American church over the years has sent out missions. I would yeah. love to see the American dream be spreading Christianity yeah. to the ends of the earth. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know at our church, we, we get to send some money and help some missionaries that are reaching unreached people groups. Yeah. To me, that's part of the American dream yeah. is we have the opportunity, even this podcast, Facebook Live, around <laughs> the world, we ought to be those studying and praying and preparing because we've been given some liberties to speak, mm-hmm. some allotment, some wealth to do mm-hmm. this. So to me, the American dream would be some travel, to preach, to teach, to be a part of that great commission. Mm-hmm. I think that's very different from what most people think the yeah. American dream is. I think I think the secular world thinks the American dream is is to, is consumer based. You know, I just watched Fight Club recently and talked about uh, you know talked about being a consumer and stuff like that. And I think one of the quotes said, you know, uh, the possessions that you own will soon end owning you. You'll yeah. still you'll still be a slave to those possessions. And I think in my life growing up, I've seen my parents. I love my mom and my dad, but they're very consumer based. You know, I, they're very possession based. They're very you know what's keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And people don't know what keeping up with the Joneses is. Keeping up with the Joneses is a term that you use to to be to covet what other people have. Like, oh, my next door neighbor has an RV. I gotta have an RV. Right. My next door neighbor has a new car. I must need a new car. And I think it's poison. It's polluting the American society, polluting Americans and, and really bogging their money down in possessions and not truly living the best possible life they can live. As a Christian, Pastor Drew, and as a Christian for a long time, yeah. what do you think? Obviously, you said, what do you think the dream of God? What do you think God wants from us? Like a daily, what do you think our daily, monthly, our yearly life should be like as a Christian devoted to Jesus? Well, I'm talking about possessions. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom. You know, having a poor spirit as the concept, I, I don't need a lot of possessions. What do I think God wants from us? Well, I think he's told us pretty clearly. He wants us to go to win souls to him by preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, that he loves them, that he died for them, that he rose from the dead, that he would send his very spirit into their spirit, that they could be born again, mm-hmm. that we need to make disciples. God will not turn away a broken, a contrite heart. And so... Just like you do in the mornings, spend some time seeking God by praying, by being silent before God, by opening the scripture. Being faithful to a local church is of the utmost importance. The church is the body of Christ. And God has given every individual, you talk about what does God want from them, he's given them skills, talents, resources, gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Holy Spirit for the edification of the church. Mm -hmm. So you have to be involved in a local church. Have a pastor that shepherds you, that guides you. Have people that you're accountable to. Live in that kind of community. Live a life of obedience, of walking in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to have a time of day where you spend time with God in communion with prayer, silent listening before Him, reading the Scriptures, 
That's what I think God wants. I think each individual has their own marching orders, but we walk together through the body of the local church. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I love what you said, Pastor Drew, about about serving, you know, serving the church. I think there was a time in my life where I was out here in Riverside. I was like 19 years old, and I was going through some some sadness because I was like, what, I, what, what am I doing out here? I'm in this new city. I don't know what I'm doing. And then my girlfriend broke up with me. Her name is Danny. If you're listening to this, Danny. <laughs> he loves you. Yeah, I love you. She broke up with me at the time. And I, I, I went. I remember I got off. I got off. I was driving. She broke up with me on the phone. I got off Adams right there at the subway. Or it's not subway. It's Cal Baptist now. I don't yeah, worry. Everything's Cal Baptist yeah. now. <laughs> got off Adams. And I, heard, I, I felt a calling from God. I said, I felt, I felt it. And I thought it was confirmed. In my heart, I was like, Jesse, you need to work as hard as you possibly can in the church. You're out here not for your own personal gain, not to be it going out with Danny. I called you out to Riverside to serve as much as you possibly can in your young life right now. And I, and I don't know if you, I told you this, Pastor. I dedicated that year to really just getting better at preaching, just Amen. doing as much as I possibly can, as work as hard as I possibly can. And I took that whole year, probably a year and a half, and really dug in the word, really took you know your mentorship and your feedback and even to this day, I look back at that time and, you know, that service and that calling and those skill sets that God was giving me and preparing me for was so great. Even today, I use those skills that I learned in that in that trying time where I was in service. I, and if you're listening out there and you want to serve, I really encourage you to, if you don't have a purpose, God has a purpose for you. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, I, I encourage you to get into your local church, to get here at RCA. And serve, you know, Pastor Drew, is there some areas in the church that people can serve in? Oh, yes. So, like I said, every Saturday we go out, we do evangelism. If you love Jesus, if you want to be with some good Christian brothers and sisters, come for a walk with us for one hour. We're always in need of greeters. We'd love to see our kids program. We got sports ministry going on. And if you got gifts and talents, let's get to know you. Yeah. We're having a special ladies craft day because some ladies are good at crafts. Why do we have a karate program? Because we had some guys in the church that were great at karate and they yeah. were dedicated and faithful. God can use whatever gift and talent you have for the kingdom of God. I think of King David. We're talking about death earlier. It says that David fulfilled his purpose in his generation. There's a life that was well lived. You think of Elijah and Enoch. You think of those that walked with God. They fulfilled the purpose of God. Think of Jesus on that cross. He didn't have a lot of possessions. He was buried in somebody else's tomb. They took his garments and they gambled for him. That's really all he had. Yeah. And yet on that cross, he was able to say, it is finished. Mm -hmm. At the end of my life, however, I have to go where this body expires. I hope that I finish what God has put me Absolutely. on this earth to do within my generation. Absolutely. That's awesome, Pastor Drew. I really thank you for the insight that you've given us today. Um, a couple more questions. Well, Pastor Drew, do you have any other deaths that you wanted to, to talk about? Well, this was just a launching pad, but I think we, we, we hit a couple of them. You know, there's a lot of sins attached. Each death yeah. that's highlighted in the scripture really is. I thought it was just sin. cool to do it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a neat topic. I think a lot of them are in the scripture for our admonition to, to teach us. Yeah. Like Gehazi being greedy, you know, Judas being greedy mm -hmm. and being treacherous, uh, Jezebel getting thrown and, and run over by Jehu and eaten by the dogs. I mean, that's a usurper. That was a, a pretty wicked lady. There's a lot of stories in the scripture. That book of Judges is full of them. Elglon and his gluttony and all that came to pass because of that. At the end, man, that horrible story about the concubine and the outrage and the civil war. But we, we don't need to get into all of them. Just know the Bible is a dramatic book filled with vivid stories of consequences 
and it really doesn't pull a lot of punches. No, <laughs> I think it's uh, I think over the years of reading the Bible, it's been one of the most interesting and impactful things I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah, and it is an amazing book, and I can read the Book of Joshua, one of my favorite books, and get something new every time. Pastor Drew, it's that time. We only have a couple more minutes left. Yeah. A couple more minutes left, Pastor Drew. And guys, if you're listening out there, thank you for listening. Um, you know, we really appreciate listening to the new podcast, Showbread. But it, now it is time for our newest segment, the segment that we've been, been waiting for this entire time, that you've been waiting for this entire time. It's time to, let's get ethical. Let's get, let's get ethical. ethical. So here's a question. What we're going to do, we're going to ask Pastor Drew a question an ethical question, and we want it from the mind of Pastor Drew being a preacher for so long, a Bible scholar, an intelligent, intelligent person. We want to see his thoughts. Pastor, I have a question for you. Ready? Yes. Yeah, I'm set to go. What actions in your life will have the longest reaching consequences? How long will those effects be felt? A covenant. When you make a covenant, that's sacred. That's holy. A covenant is a promise. It's even deeper than a promise. You're invoking Almighty God. A marriage is a covenant. Okay. The covenants you make and the honor you have to keep them, that will be binding for generations. The covenant I made with God. God sent His Son Jesus, was cut on Calvary, rose from the dead. I believed it. I've entered that union with God. That will be a lasting covenant forever between me and Him. The covenant I made with my wife. That's the only other covenant I made. That was the greatest choice I made. I love my wife so much. She is so wonderful. She's my best friend, the love of my life. She has been there every step of the way with me in this church and seeing it grow and seeing it help. I'm telling you, raising our kids together. So that's a generation, a generation after that. Those two covenants mean I preach the word of God. That's what I get to do for God. I'm so fortunate. I don't know how long it will go, but I'll do my best with every breath. I'll do my best for my family, do my best for my God. Uh, I think each person is not the star of the story. We like to think that. Yeah. Sometimes we get to be just the best supporting actor. Yeah. You know, here we are in Rubido, the Crystal Cathedral of West That's Riverside. It, we're right here. Forgotten neighborhood. Check it out. <laughs> I know half a mile off the main drag in a building over 100 years old or so. And I am so thankful. What was we do? A servant must be found faithful. I think of that Hebrews 11. Where it talks about faith hall of fame and people like Moses been known for thousands of years. People like Elijah, these great men. But then it goes on to say, but what about those who aren't known? Yeah. What about those that wandered in deserts that were sewn up in animal skins? What about those that were nameless and executed? Mm -hmm. What if that's us? Yeah. You know, I, there's a new phrase I like. What is Heaven it? keeps my stats. Heaven keeps your stats? Heaven keeps my stats. Okay, I like that. You know what? I'm with that. It's not all tallies here. No, yeah. We don't know how fruitful we are. We can only be obedient. So when people look to be a long legacy for generations, I think we should focus on honoring God and say, God, between you and me, if it was an empty room in there, I would honor you. Mm. That's awesome, Pastor Drew. Pastor Drew, thank you so much for coming today and being on another episode. Fantastic episode of Showbread. Because it's fresh. Because it's fresh. Pastor Drew, can you us in a, in a word of prayer? Our Father in heaven, thank you, Father, that you are our daily bread. Thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us an allotment of time that we have to be responsible for, that we have to make wise choices. Father, I pray for our listeners. I pray that they would make wise choices. Lord, there's many examples of foolish deaths, of arrogant deaths, of sinful deaths, and, Lord, of noble deaths, of honorable deaths. 
of those that are blessed. How precious in the eyes of the Lord is the passing of the saints. Jesus. Lord, may we be those saints. May we be worthy of a precious hand, knowing it's just a step in eternity. It's just from this body into the next. So, Lord, we're thankful. We're grateful. Continue to have your hand of blessing upon our wives, upon our children, and upon all those that hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 